You're listening to In Her Voice, a podcast brought to you by Women in Hollywood. I'm your host, Melissa Silverstein, and this podcast is dedicated to supporting and amplifying the voices of women who work in the global entertainment business. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. So, Emma, what a movie, man. (laughs) It cracked me up. Um, Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, yeah. (laughs) unexpected i'm here interviewing emma seligman about her new movie bottoms and so i always ask directors to share their own log line for the movie so could Mm, you do that for sure bottoms is about two girls who start a fight club at their high school so they can try to lose their virginities to cheerleaders when we started writing it it was six years ago and i think that we really missed studio comedies and we really missed teen comedies teen sex comedies in particular and I think that Rachel and I are we're we're women and you know I'm queer and we really wanted to see like those characters in this movie because that's who we are Um, so that's really where it came from I think that it was so fun to collaborate on something with each other Rachel's a comedian and and we'd always intended for Iowa Debris to be in the movie as well and so we wanted to create a comedy that could make people laugh and we missed that experience and who knew Aya would be like a major star when this came out I mean I probably know. did I'm behind <laughs> I'm behind on the bear so I have no bear questions for you comedies are having a hard time now in the industry I mean everybody's having a hard time but particularly comedies it felt like after we saw Bridesmaids that Everybody felt, oh, you know, women, comedy, things would change. And now it feels like it's another generation. And the comfort level of women in comedy, particularly the sex stuff, the raunch stuff, is probably what makes uh, studio execs a bit uncomfortable. And you've kind of gone the indie way on this. So talk a little bit about what your kind of feeling is about where comedy, because that's your bread and butter, is in the industry and how your generation has embraced that. Yeah, I feel really hopeful and excited about the moment that we're in for women in comedy, at least, you know, in a theatrical movie landscape. I mean, this summer has been quite a summer for female comedy with uh, No Hard Feelings and Joyride and you know, even Barbie, even though one might not stamp that as a full-on comedy, it is hilarious and it is so intrinsically female and an ensemble and isn't focused on a female, like, I don't know, comedic style or whatever that is, but it is still driven by Molly Gordon and, and, and features her character quite heavily. So, I mean, I feel like I'm in good company and I feel really inspired and I mean, I think that it's just about who's supporting these movies. And I felt like on this movie, on Bottoms, we had incredible producers and incredible studio of all women. I mean, one of our producers is is a man and he's lovely, Max. But, you know, Liz Banks is one of our producers and she's been a supporter of women in comedy for a very long time. And Alana Mayo and and the women at Orion, which is, you know, the the cool arm of, of MGM are making cool movies. So like, I think just in the process of making Bottoms, I was like, 
I, I feel like I'm not naive, you know, I'm not saying everything's great and we can expect everything to change now, but especially with the movie coming out in this time with all these movies coming out this summer, I feel maybe a little too hopeful, but pretty hopeful and excited. I mean, you went from a $200,000 movie to this movie, which clearly costs more than that. So (laughs) kudos to you for that. I'm impressed in so many ways, but also the fact that there was, there is still a problem with women making their sophomore movies, which takes like many years. I mean, it used to take 10 and you're like two years. And is it the kind of fact that you are just going on your own trajectory on this and it's not necessarily about Hollywoody stuff or like how did you accomplish something that is so hard to accomplish that's very kind of you to say I think with Rachel Sennett that that woman has more ambition and drive in her than anyone else I know and she gave me the confidence to get Shiva Baby off the ground. And, and that was an indie, obviously, and, and my first movie, and, and I'd never done anything else. And I think working with another female partner and collaborator who is as blindly confident and excited and, and I don't know, just ambitious and driven as you are is really important because there's so much rejection in our industry and that's just so normal. And that's just part of the process. There's a lot of money involved and it's a risk to, to, to make anything. So I think that honestly, I was able to do this with her and, and being in a partnership with her, but also, I mean, just not taking no for an answer and just continuing to push and push and push and not waiting. I think that that applies for for female and male directors, but I think it affects female directors more. Like, you know, after Shiva, we'd already written Bottoms and that was really helpful. You know, from the get-go, we were like, okay, we're going to make Shiva Baby and then we're going to make Bottoms. And we were writing both at the same time. And you don't have to do that necessarily. It's like whatever works but for you. But it's smart because people will ask you immediately, well, what do you have next? Exactly. I think it's good to have a plan and and to look at your career and really give it your all. I mean, one could argue it's like, it's, this isn't great necessarily, but I think in the early years, you really have to give it everything you have. And I didn't really have like a life outside of making (laughs) these two movies and I am now feeling sort of the consequences of that on a personal level Uh but like that's just what it requires you know and I think that as long as you're okay with that I think dedicating everything you have and knowing yeah like there's there's like a tiny thought at the back of your brain where you're like this might all be for nothing but you have to just like throw that away and Rachel always says gaslight yourself into being like it's already happened I've already made the movie it's already successful so you can get yourself through it yeah I was just about to bring up gaslighting because I think (laughs) that there's been generations of women creatives who have really been gaslit and have such a fear I mean the industry is just paralyzed by fear and mm-hmm. what I hear from you and reading your stuff and watching your stuff, you, you, your generation, you guys are not afraid of what other people, the baggage, you know, like what success could be. You're just forging your own path. Do you have any role models that have given you this kind of sense of 
success that is possible? Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to female directors, I think Catherine Bigelow is, is one for sure. Mariel Heller, mm-hmm. I remember once I saw A Friendly Day in the Neighborhood and saw that that was being nominated for Oscars, you know, I was just so happy and felt so like validated and heartwarmed to see a female director go from making her first feature that was personal and and indie like Diary of a Teenage Girl, which is one of my favorite movies, to making this studio film, this Oscar darling. I mean, it's it sounds obvious, but like right now, Greta Gerwig is like the ultimate role model. I think that watching someone, even though she was an actor before, like it going, you know, from making an indie that was really personal to making a studio blockbuster that's about to make a billion dollars billion dollars and and i i I, like i'm getting emotional i know me too i do get emotional every time because it's so fucking good so fucking subversive and i think your movie has a lot of that subversiveness in it yeah it's she always talks about it like being like a miracle but it is like a miracle it's a miracle to get anything made i think for anyone but i think that it I I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm like, I, especially in these times, you know what I mean? Yeah. When I saw how many records that it broke, not just for a female director, but for all the records. Yeah. I'm so like happy to be in this time where it's not just about people aren't talking about the fact as much that it's a female directed movie. Like, of course they are, but like, I remember when Wonder Woman was coming out and everyone was like, this is the biggest budget a female director has ever had. Like, what's it going to happen? Is it going to make money? Just putting so much pressure on the situation and on all of us. And and then that makes you feel like anytime you direct a movie, then like you're fucking it up for everyone if you fuck it up. So, I mean, yeah, she's, she's my hero for sure. And I can only imagine she's so like graceful when she speaks about the movie, but I can only imagine how much she had to fight for with each subversive joke in each decision, her, her and Margot Robbie within making the film. So yeah, yeah, she's definitely a role model. Yeah. Right and now. I hope she makes so much money. I just keep thinking about like millions of dollars that this girl <laughs> hopefully is making. I mean, I felt like when I was watching a movie, like it's kind of in the, you know, family book smart, like also. And I'm just, I love the fact that there's just kind of like a whole grouping now of these movies that are about women. What's happening now, I feel, is a bit of a reset where we're seeing, you know, stories of women and people of color really being centered in our culture. And my God, you had so many funny lines. And I particularly want to bring up one where they're in the classroom and I don't remember the character, the woman who's smarter than all of them. And when she says, my vagina belongs to the government. (laughs) And I was just like, ooh, so appropriate. That was a hysterical scene. We wrote that joke six years ago. And more relevant than ever, unfortunately. And we even shot the joke before I think it was just like a week before the Roe v. Wade mm-hmm. that whatever was leaked before it became official. Oh, um, the, the, oh okay the leak decision. Yeah I don't know I mean you gotta joke about the I don't know. world. You have to be able to laugh otherwise there's no other way to get through it at least for me. It just um, takes a lot of guts to do that and again that's another reason why I'm impressed 
I want to talk a little bit about your your thoughts about feminism because there's that other line where someone says this is the second wave all over again. <laughs> and what was that scene? What was the scene where that happens in? It's in a somewhat I don't want to give anything away, but it's in a scene where certain characters are learning about Yeah, yeah, the, the ulterior motive of of the yes. fight club. It cracked me up because your feminism is being redefined by generations. And so I guess my first question is, do you feel that this is a feminist movie? And how do you define feminism in the world today? I don't know. Oh, my God. That's, that's I mean, okay. No, no, I, I, I love this question. I mean, I think when Rachel and I started writing this in 2017, we were super in the era of girl boss feminism. Like we were mm. super engrossed in this capitalist driven go girl go everything super positive make your money and have your girlfriends and drink your margaritas and that's feminism and <laughs> and and you know of course still super white and or centered around white women and not necessarily the most intersectional even though I do think that has changed in our generation in terms of the way that at least for me and my peers the way we talk about achieving equality for everyone um, or, you know, wanting to, or seeing how oppression is all linked, et cetera. So I think that what was so exciting for us is portraying characters who didn't give a shit about feminism and who just wanted to have sex and were using feminism to get what they wanted. And so I don't know, the second wave joke, that was like one of my only jokes that made it in there because Rachel, most of the jokes in this movie were either written by Rachel or improvised by her and I.O. And anyway, that was mine. But mm -hmm. I think that I think that I don't know if it's a feminist movie. It's just a, a female movie and, and and one can sort of interpret it however they want, you know. I don't know. Okay. okay. <laughs> I just want to briefly touch on Shiva Baby. I was late to the Shiva Baby bandwagon and so I let watch yesterday and I literally had PTSD because I've been <laughs> to so many of those Shivas. And <laughs> with the you know, the old people and your parents. I mean, it's just like crazy. So <laughs> I know it was a short and then it was your short in, in school and then you made it into a feature. It's hard to write. It, it, it's what you knew, but it's also hard to write about that kind of personal stuff. Plus also, you know, the Jewishness of it, it's so specific. So like, talk a little bit about what you've learned from the Shiva baby experience. It was really helpful to make something so personal for my first movie, because I think when you're really getting at things that have affected you and, and tormented you or, or surprised you or made you feel exhilarated or whatever it is, it can help make a good movie cheap, cheaply. If that uh, is. Yeah, um, no, I, okay I think that was really, really smart. I appreciate that. I mean, I had, I wrote it as a short first and my professor literally just repeated that advice of, of write what you know and encouraged everyone in the class to sort of explore the themes that they wanted to explore. I loved making the movie. I'm so grateful for it. Um, uh, but I, I don't know if I want to make something quite so personal again. You know, I think yeah. that I learned that you don't necessarily need to dive into your darkest, deepest, you know, traumas in order to make good art. I think that perhaps you can do a little bit of 
a little bit of it without without getting so literal. Not that that literally happened to me. I, I do want to make more Jewish stuff though, for sure. Yeah. And that was really fun to, to write in a world that I understood. There's wow. one coming out this summer about like, you're not invited to my bat mitzvah, which I thought is yeah. like, I can't wait oh, to watch that. I'm so um, excited for that. So your collaboration with Rachel is quite unique and talk a little bit about, you know, what you both get out of it are you guys going to continue to work together? Like, is, is she your Catherine Keener to <laughs> Nicole Hall of Center? Yeah. I mean, I'm so grateful for Rachel. I think that she is the reason that I was able to make Shiva and bottoms. And so I think that I, I don't know like how we could have achieved this without each other, but now it's really nice to be able to sit and look at each other and see what we both accomplished together and individually and be able to take a, a second to just compliment and congratulate each other and, and enjoy. I definitely want to work with her in the future. I think we perhaps will take a break um, and, and do other things and come back to each other. But I mean, I'm so lucky that I have her. Like, I think my relationship with her is quite unique and special. It's really beautiful to have someone that you also didn't come from the industry that is able to sort of learn alongside you the ins and outs and the good things and bad things about having to work in this industry and and, and looking at your career and, and whatnot and be able to also step back and be like, you're doing this. It's amazing. And not feel like you're doing it alone. Well, yeah. I just want to wish you much luck and you're very inspirational you. for this next to see what the next generation is going to bring about. And thank you wow. for your time. Thank you. I really appreciate this. This was My lovely. Pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to share it with a friend or better yet, follow us on Spotify and give us five stars or leave us a review on Apple podcasts. Spreading the word really helps us reach as many people as possible. You can also subscribe to the Substack for the Women in Hollywood weekly newsletter of all content buying about women that is opening and streaming. You can sign up directly at womenandhollywood.com. In Her Voice is produced by Leonie Marsh. This is a Women in Hollywood Productions podcast. I'm Melissa Silverstein. Until next time, goodbye.